Imagine a Marxist professor at NYU. This guy would be at the peak of his industry, surrounded by peers and students who generally agreed with his worldview. And then somehow, he woke from Marxist delusions and became a leading conservative voice. He's been featured on Glenn Beck, Laura Ingram, Dan Bongino, Fox and Friends, and he's now a fellow at Hillsdale College. His story is one of hope for all of us, but also a warning to all of us. I'm speaking, of course, of Dr. Michael Rechtenwald, the author of 12 books, including Google Archipelago, The Digital Gulag and the Simulation of Freedom, Thought Criminal, Beyond Woke, and his latest out this year, The Great Reset and the Struggle for Liberty, Unraveling the Global Agenda. Welcome, Dr. Rickenwald. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, we're going to cover three full segments with you, dedicated the whole show to your book and to your thoughts. I mean, I'm reading your writings and your blog. It's just tremendous. And, and I found it at michaelrechtenwald.com. And so that's where we're telling people to go to learn more about you. Is that the right place? That's, that's exactly where to go for everything. Thank you. Okay, so I'd like to start in this first segment. How do you get to where you are from where you were? How does a Marxist wake up and, and be, you're not woke, you're the opposite, but you have woken up? Yes, I mean, so I think that really it only comes by virtue of trauma. And I was basically traumatized by the left. Um, you know, uh, when I came out and at NYU and critiqued social justice, uh, wokeness, if you will, uh, in the fall of 2016, and the whole left uh, turned on me with a vengeance. Uh, first of all, the university came down on me like a ton of bricks, uh, forcing me into uh, a leave of absence, condemning me as uh, uh, having wrong think. Effectively, they said point blank, I was guilty for the structure and content of my thoughts. And uh, they effectively pushed me into a, an untenable position at NYU. They transferred my office to the Russian department, all this going while the Russian collusion hoax was underway. It's very ironic, po uh, uh, poetic irony, really. Uh, and so I, I really uh, came to see just how uh, totalitarian this whole leftist regime was. And uh, I saw also that their ideology was really the dominant ideology, not only on campus, but as we've seen uh, throughout the whole world. I mean, this is really the dominant ideology. It's a totalitarian ideology, I believe. Uh, wokeness is a, a menace. And uh, so I, I couldn't help but break with the left entirely. I broke with the left entirely, and then I came to rethink all of my commitments. Uh, my political and economic commitments, uh, and I certainly became almost instantly a libertarian, uh, at least a civil libertarian, or they might say uncivil libertarian. And uh, I, I then started to do more economic research, and uh, I completely disavowed Marxism and embraced instead the free market uh, economics as the only path to liberty and the only way for achieving a wealthy society. Uh, that was quite news to me, but it, it, it struck me as in, in, inescapably true. So that's really how I got to where I uh, got from where I was. It wasn't easy, it was quite traumatic, but I, I survived and I'm thriving. And uh, thank God I've actually 
uh, I've undertaken more important missions than I was ever doing at academia, that's for sure. Well, I'll tell you, you're not alone. I mean, you see people like Robert Kennedy and Naomi Wolf and even Bill Maher uh, that, are, that are honest. And I think that's the issue, is how many people are honest enough to look at the facts and look at the circumstances. I mean, you don't have to agree with me on everything, but at least you have to honestly view and look at it and come to your own conclusion. And I don't see that on the left at all. Uh, no, there's, uh, see, the left hasn't really had to make arguments because they have been in a, a kind of a safe space uh, echo chamber for some time, so they don't know how to make arguments. They just simply shut down your point of view and try to erase it and uh, delete it, if you will, uh, even threaten to kill you, uh, which is interestingly uh, a case that just came up from a leftist professor saying that uh, you know, it would be better to shoot bigots, homophobes, and transphobes that, rather than to shout them down. I mean, this is where they are. Uh, so, yeah, um, it, it takes honesty. It takes uh, looking at facts and arguments uh, really reasonably, critically. And, uh, you know, that's not what they allow or not what they undertake. No, and they're getting more radical by the minute. I mean, the, the idea that, that uh, you should allow obvious male participants in female sports, you, you, you know, all right, so you, you, you're the author of Harry Potter, you're beloved by millions, but you come out and say there's such thing as a woman, and then you're immediately canceled. Yes, so they want you to deny the reality of your own senses and uh, biological reality, and this is really, this is, the, this is a watch uh, word for totalitarianism. Whenever they force you to repeat things that are verifiably, empirically false uh, under threat of uh, cancellation and uh, destruction, then you know you're under the grips of a totalitarian uh, regime. Oh, there's no question. And, and your book, The Great Reset and the Struggle for Liberty, is how we push back against that totalitarian regime. Tell us a little bit about what you drove to, what drove you to write this. Well, you know, I mentioned that the, the ideology that I had encountered at NYU, I realized that was the dominant ideology, not just uh, that held by a few blue-haired kids on campus. This was being pushed from the top. This was being pushed by what I call subversive elites. So I wanted to investigate these subversive elites and see just what they have in store, what they are recommending, what they're pushing on the society. And I, I traced this to the very top, to the top echelons of society. This is where all this is coming from, wokeness and uh, the kind of uh, distorted, crazy communism that we're being that's being foisted on us. It's coming from these subversive elites, and I wanted to track them down and to see just who these people are, what their agenda is, and how do we stop it. Yeah, well, we're going to need to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about the book. Let's get into some of the findings that you had. You know, I'm thinking of Alan Dershowitz, and I'm thinking of Dr. Robert Epstein and others. These are honest people who may still be liberal in many cases, but at least they'll carry on an argument and discuss it. I want to hear how your book is impacting people like that. Dr. Reckenwald, in the Economic War Room, we talk about some of the things that you put in your book all the time. The Great Reset, CBDC, ESG, China. I think we're in an economic war, and 
fact, I know we're in an economic war. But what you are concluding here in the Great Reset book is you're speaking to a different audience. I'm hoping that you're able to reach some of your former colleagues that have a tinge of honesty left in them. How is your book being received? And tell me what conclusions are making inroads. Well, I think it's being well received, actually. I haven't had any negative reviews yet. Uh, I expect that the left will condemn part of it and they'll suggest that it's a bunch of conspiracy theory. Uh, but I think it's, it's demonstrably not a conspiracy theory. And to call it a conspiracy theory is gaslighting in the extreme because all the, ag the agenda is open, it's avowed, and it's underway, very clearly it's underway. And I trace all that down, I tie it to sources, I provide evidence, there's no uh, wild speculation here. Uh, this is very, very, ac almost academic, uh, although I try to write in a way that's extremely accessible to just about any lay reader. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's being received pretty well. Uh, I welcome criticism, but I haven't seen any yet. I don't expect that the left will have any answers for what I'm saying. No, I think you're right. All right, so you tie together CBDC, you tie together ESG, climate change, uh, all of these things. Give us a quick recap. How are elites using those to force a totalitarian regime on, on America and the world? Yeah, so climate change, for example, I call it climate catastrophism, is the ideology behind it. It is a pretext for ushering in global governance, really. Uh, they say this very clearly that we need global governance because there's a uh, there's this uh, imminent uh, climate catastrophe. Uh, but uh, the science is dubious to begin with, and really the ends are the, the means are the ends. That is to say, the global governance is really the, the, uh, the end that they seek. They only use climate change as a pretext for achieving it. And uh, they have been ushering, they've been pushing this for decades, naturally. And uh, with the ESG, they finally have a mechanism for forcing it down our throats, they think. Uh, that is, it's an end around legislation in the democratic process. It, it doesn't give anybody a choice. It forces these corporations into either complying or being uh, basically uh, canceled, if you will. Uh, I call it a woke cartel. Either you're a member of the woke cartel or you're basically bereft of capital investment. And that's what's underway. They're doing this through this ESG as a, as a way to get around governments, to get around the democratic process, to get around voting, to get around legislation altogether. And we're seeing that there's been some pushback now from legislators in the United States, uh, attorneys general from 20... Uh, states have said that we won't have this ESG, we're not going to abide by it, and we won't have any investments with these asset managers and banks who are forcing the ESG uh, regime uh, down our throats. Well, I think that's great. I'm part of the Back to Neutral Coalition. We work with people like Derek Kreifels at the, at the uh, State Financial Officers Foundation. Uh, Justin Danoff was one of the founders, and, and he works with Strive, and formerly Vivek Ramaswamy started that. Uh, so, so we're in, in, in lock sync on this. But the left, they're in lock sync, too, only they're complete hypocrites about it. They don't care about the environment, do they? No, I mean, there's some evidence that's very clear 
that, for example, this ESG, the way that it's been wielded, has nothing to do with the environment. For example, Elon Musk's uh, uh, Tesla was thrown off the S&P 500 ESG index uh, completely. Meanwhile, ExxonMobil uh, and uh, uh, the major funder of, uh, of the, the oil industry uh, was effectively promoted to the top 10 ESG performing companies. So this has nothing to do with, with the environment. This is a political weapon that's being wielded. It's, they're weaponizing the economy against companies. The reason Tesla was thrown off of there is because uh, you know Musk bought Twitter and started to make uh, statements about uh, free speech absolutism and against the Democratic Party as the party of division and hate. And they immediately threw them off the S&P 500 ESG index. I mean, this couldn't be any clearer. No, you're right. And then there's the hypocrisy with China and Larry Fink, right? Larry Fink, who's uh, deep, his, uh, you know, BlackRock Inc., deeply invested in China. And China has the worst environmental record of any, co- any country in the world. They're building, uh, you know, uh, coal plants. Uh, I think it's like almost two a day at this point. And so... Likewise, their, you know, their so-called greenhouse gas emissions exceeds anybody's in the world, and they're increasing it. Uh, yet, uh, they're being invested in by uh, BlackRock, who's one of the leading ESG uh, drivers or dictators, I would like to say, dictating the ESG. And yet, uh, the ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. Uh, China's ranks poorly on all those, especially the social credit score really the social aspect because they have uh, companies uh, over there that are being invested in by BlackRock and others that are putting these Uyghurs in uh, concentration camps and uh, also employing slave labor and uh, free labor, utterly free, that is slaves basically, and uh, polluting the environment, Uh, real pollution, not this uh, carbon dioxide, which is not a pollutant, Okay, this is a, a, an actually a, a compound that's absolutely necessary for life. Uh, so, yeah, they're complete hypocrites with reference to China and with reference to other uh, companies that they deem to be uh, outside of the woke cartel for various reasons. Yeah, and not to mention human live human organ harvesting, which is a terrible. Uh, tragedy from the Chinese, and and the fact that we're funding through ESG, we fund the Chinese Communist Party because by law in the in China, every company must serve the Communist Party, which means we may even be building weapons that are aimed at us. And guess what? We're funding them with our investment dollars. That's a serious problem. Yeah, this is a very serious problem. Given Chinese uh, China's uh, increased militarization. Uh, their imprisonment and enslavement of uh, various minorities, especially the Uyghurs, uh, their human rights abuses, their harvesting of organs from Falun Gong uh, members. It's it's just an outrage that we would be funding them, and they are poised uh, as a major military enemy of the United States. Yeah, we're funding them both with our investments, but also with our purchases, which is frightening. So we're gonna need to take another break. When we come back, I'd like to talk with you about solutions. And among those solutions, how can we speak to those that are caught in woke and wake them up? 
We're talking with Dr. Michael Rechtenwald, who is the author of this excellent book, The Great Reset, that just came out this year. And he's got a unique history. He, he was among those who were considered woke, and then he actually woke up, and, and they turned on him. The far left turned on him for even just thinking as a professor at NYU, he happened to have an original thought, and they didn't want him there because of that. So uh, there's clearly a contingent of evil elitists with a master plan, and they, you know, I hate to say it, I think they want to enslave us. But there are also some misled true believers in academia, business, and among the youth. So Dr. Weckenwald, how do we wake up young people so that they can see the truth and come out? Well, I think that we need to point out what this woke ideology, what its function is, which I do in the book in a chapter on woke ideology. I talk about what the function of this woke ideology is, and that is to say, what is it, what is it doing? What is it, what is it achieving? What it's achieving is to make the majority feel guilty and to thereby uh, abrogate or to abdicate, I should say, their property and their rights. Uh, in order for the Great Reset to be uh, undertaken. That is to say, you're told that you're privileged and that everything you have is, the ba is based on your privilege and therefore you should surrender uh, your privileges, which means your property rights and your free speech rights and other rights, the rights of mobility. All of this is being foisted on you for a reason and that is to strip you of your property and your, uh, your self-determination. And so this has nothing to do with these beleaguered minorities that they use as weapons against us. They are strictly weaponized identities that are not meant to be the beneficiaries of wokeness. They are merely the weapons being wielded by this, uh, by this elite in order to take away from you what they say you don't deserve. So that's how I try to talk to these people. Yeah, no, it's the French Revolution, isn't it happening? You, know, you first tear down and Marie Antoinette loses her head and, and then you go create the Committee on Public Safety or something like that and then there's the reign of terror and that's what's ahead for these left-leaning people who think that they're making the world a better place. They are, you know, I hate to tell them this, but they are the useful idiots until they, uh, until they change their minds, until they secede from this uh, for very, very pernicious uh, ideology, and uh, they're actually serving as footnote soldiers of the global elite while they claim to be against the power, uh, against the man. They are actually serving the top echelons of power. It's very ironic. Yeah, no, it is. I, I, I've got a book out called According to Plan, The Elite Secret Plan to Sabotage America. It covers some of the same things, but you have an academic perspective. You've got a depth of research and things that are in this book, The Great Reset, that I think is just uh, tremendous. And you have some solutions. We're economic war room. We're here in the war room to craft solutions and to win the war, not just to complain, not just to be talking heads. I, we, you can get plenty of that on Fox News, and, and God love Fox News for what they do. But economic war room is designed to give people answers. So give us some answers. Okay, well, I have a nine-point plan for stopping the Great Reset, which I call the Grand Refusal. And that's basically the premise. The premise is to refuse the Great Reset and that is to, we can't control what these uh, puppet masters are trying to do, but we can cut the strings of the puppet masters from ourselves so they can't manipulate us. And this is really how to go, uh, to look at this. So 
to stop the Great Reset, first of all, we need to refuse the central bank digital currency, which is coming down the pike. We see now with the Fed's uh, recent uh, FedNow project. This is the, you know, the beginning of the CBDC. Uh, we need to refuse that, and that means to establish a, a parallel currency system. Uh, we need to have parallel exchanges uh, before they institute this so that we don't have to become part of the CBDC uh, regime. And why do we not want to be part of that? Because it'll control everything, our spending, savings, and debt. It'll give the government trans uh, transparency into everything you do. They could shut you down for having the wrong views. They could shut you down for having a bad personal ESG score, uh, you know, for exceeding your carbon footprint. They could control your transactions. Can, can, can I just share with you, I want to introduce you to, if you haven't seen it, in Texas, out of crafted out of the economic war room, we've created Texas transactional currency under Article 1, Section 10, we have a bullion depository. People can go on just like a Glint app on your phone and they can buy gold and silver in Texas if this bill passes and then they can spend it as a completely alternative currency. And the good news, because it's Article 1, Section 10 approved, there's no capital gain if the value of the gold and silver goes up during the period that Texas holds it. So I, I'll send you information on that, but I couldn't agree with you more. We need an alternative currency system to fight CBDC. Please send me that because I'm very happy to write additional articles to supplement what I've written. Um, because this, you know, these developments are so fast, you can't possibly freeze freeze frame everything and get it all in there. And then, along with that, is refusing digital identity, which is yes. the means by which they'll track you from cradle to grave. So we must refuse digital identity, and they'll try to sneak it in on us using various schemes, credit cards, etc. Watch out for it. You don't want to be a part of that because this means tracking everything you do, not just online as if there is anything that's offline anymore, uh, but everywhere. Uh, so refuse digital identity. And then uh, this is just a principle that we need to practice the free market in our own lives. Uh, reduce or utterly eliminate dependence on the state, of course. This goes without saying. But disengage as much as you can from these establishment institutions, of course, including educational institutions, and become or remain as entrepreneurial as possible. Buy from a local network of producers, establish a parallel economy uh, and parallel social networks, uh, and, and even consider joining independent communities such as freedom cells that are breaking off and establishing themselves independently from uh, the global system. And then we've talked about this already is divesting from the ESG. And there are stocks that you can you can buy that are outside of the ESG scheme. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. He's got uh, the stride, and it's a great it's a great start. We need to have more of these funds and remove money from ESG banks. Yeah. All right. So you've covered the first uh, five or six of these. 
We cover these week in and week out in the economic war room. I'd love to invite you to speak to our National Security Investment Consultant Institute uh, at Liberty University, where we train financial advisors to help people weaponize their money into a parallel system and away from ESG. So thank you, Dr. Reckenwald. I couldn't recommend your book anymore, The Great Reset. You can learn more at michaelrechtenwald.com. So thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll summarize all of this in our free economic battle plan at economicwarroom.com. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room. Thank you.